Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, the NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Manscaped.com. For those fellows that are reaching down there during the game, halftime, I know mine kind of gets to the point in the second quarter where I just need some comfort. You're reaching down, you feel a little bit of weeds. Why not get the Weed Whacker package from Manscaped.com? Use the promo code TEXANS. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by Antonio Camardi. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one. Uh, I can move very well. Thus, can play man-to-man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man, and I, I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. guys welcome to another edition of texans unfiltered i am your host james i am joined by my friend and co-host john wade the garnet texan and john how you feeling this week you back after two or three weeks out baby being born healthy baby um how you feeling dude well i should be static but but you're leaving like I'm supposed to be super happy. Like, I'm back. I've got a baby. We survived all that. And it, it has been an absolute adventure to get that little guy here. And thank God he's here. But but then you're leaving. Like, you're like you're like part of me. <laughs> like, no joke. Yeah. No, I guess uh, for those that don't know, tonight will be my last episode on Texans Unfiltered. Um. Just lots of different reasons. Um, you know, I, I think anybody that knows me knows me knows that um, who I am. I can't just turn it off. Uh, I'm all in on something. So if I'm at work, guess what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about Texans Unfiltered. If I'm out, guess what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about Texans Unfiltered. If I'm, no matter what I'm doing, Typically, my life is thinking Texans unfiltered. What can I do? How can I grow? What can we change? How can we adapt? What? How can we get better? What? What can we make? And uh, you know, I miss a lot of stuff. My daughter's volleyball practice is every Tuesday when we record. Um, and every night, every Tuesday when I come out of recording, which is usually ten thirty or eleven o'clock at night, even though she has school in the morning, she's up sitting on the couch waiting for me to come out so she can tell me about her volleyball practice. And I've missed every single one. And that that sucks because uh, I've worked with her to get her ready for club volleyball. And um, to know how important it is to her uh, means a lot. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, I love this. I'm proud of this. Uh, I This has nothing to do with the season, just so everybody understands. I've seen people speculate. Like, it has nothing to do with the season. has nothing to do with how hard it is to watch Texans football. Yeah, it's super hard, but it's also just not hard. Like, I love this team. 
not not hard in any way. Um, but just life in general, uh, work is going well, real estate, you know, I'm up for a new promotion at work. Um, starting to rebuild cars again, just things of that nature, hobbies that I love. And, uh, ultimately, you know, it's funny, we were coming back from dinner tonight and I was like, man, last one guys, and my wife and kids go, finally, we don't have to hear you say, no, I can't because we're recording tonight. And I was like, that's why, that's why. So, um, yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be weird. We started this literally just to talk football, um, and then it's kind of grown. And the community and everything that's been built around it has just been absolutely amazing. I'm surprised at how many people listen to us. I'm surprised at how many people actually pay attention to us. Yeah. Um, sitting there on Twitter, and people reach out, and they're like, congratulating me on my baby. And then things like that that you've built, like this is – this is you. Like I'm, I'm the straight man, but you, you're, you've been the star. You've been the guy that's kind of driven it. Um, and we it'll go on. Like we're gonna, we're gonna keep the show going, and it's still gonna be great. And but it's not, not gonna be the same without James. Yeah, and you know, Pat's gonna come in, and he's gonna lead the charge. Um, he's gonna take my spot. And he is, you know, I, I couldn't think of somebody better to come and take the spot. You know, I also think, like, <clears throat> it's kind of like a locker room. You know, after a certain amount of time of hearing the same same thoughts, same process, same voice, same an- analogies, you know, things don't necessarily always grow stale, but, but they can start to grow stale. And I'm not saying that that is the case for most of you guys, but for me, that is kind of how it feels. It feels like things have somewhat gotten a little stale um, and, and maybe it's the season. Maybe it's just, okay, Pat, Pat's now letting you guys all know that he's the interim host. Um, my goal is for Pat to not be the interim host. My goal is for Pat to take this and, and run with it as I think Texans unfiltered needs a fresh set of eyes. Um, I don't believe that I'm the guy that can build an online business, a streaming network, a podcast network. Um, I I think that there's things that we can do better. And I think for that to happen, we need a, a lot less Bill O'Brien-esque type of leader. And at times, that's how I am. I'm very funnel, very – I see things my way. It's very hard for you to tell me any differently. I'm very opinionated and I'm very strong in my opinion. Um, and I think ultimately um, – I think that that's the part that ultimately needs to change the most. I disagree, but whatever. You've got to – family does come first. You've got to do what you've got to do. Um, yeah, and who knows? In three I, months, I, think, I might I think, be back. And I think – and I think Pat – obviously, I think Pat's going to be great. But I, this show has been – like, some of our best shows have been us arguing. Like, yeah. when you're just so entrenched and – some of our best moments have been and just trying to get you to flip your mind. And you are one of the most hard-headed and determined people. So when the couple of times in my life that I have been successful with that, like I definitely take those as wins. But that same hard-headedness and determination is also what allowed, allowed you to speak to a lot of the guys you did to, to get those, to build those relationships. Like, 
I don't get to speak to David Johnson. I didn't make that happen. That's all James, and that takes a special person to make things like that happen. Yeah, no, it's 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 weird watching the video because like usually I watch the intro video and I just don't think anything of it, and then like I watching it tonight and I was like, man, you know what's crazy? I've talked to a lot of different guys. I've, I've <laughs> like very surprised at how many people we've we've uh, with, that I've talked to. I, I, I honestly thinking about how many people and you know, like I got Lonnie Johnson a PlayStation Five the other day. Like it's it's just weird. It's it's weird, but you know, I think all good things don't necessarily need to come to an end. But I do think that all good things need to have some sort of break in them. I think a lot of times people get so caught up in what's going on that they tend to lose sight of certain things. And so sometimes you got to come back and put those things into perspective. And then maybe there's another path. Maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another you know maybe there's another capacity that I'm brought in. I mean I'm still going to be a part of Texans Unfiltered. I mean, I own this shit, so I'm going to be a part of it. But um, I gave you that 1%. <laughs> yeah, and that's all I needed. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be writing more, I think. I think that's going to be a big thing for me. Like, I have this idea of doing a player review for all 53 players on the roster list last season and putting it out in the off season, kind of talking about some of the things they went through. So there's things that I want to do. Um, and maybe in three months I come back. Uh, I, I have some stuff I really need to get sorted out and figured out as far as work more than anything. Is I've been successful at work, but I've only given 10%. So now I want to see what I can accomplish giving 100%. And I think with this in the back of my head, I can do that. But then again, maybe next Tuesday when you guys record and I load that shit up on Spotify, I'm like, yeah, no, this ain't going to fucking work. I can't. You guys are killing what I've built. I'm done. Whoa, I'm coming whoa, whoa. back. We're not going to kill anything. Let's get I'm this just saying. Here. I'm just saying. If You're going to get an itch. If I log, the show's still going to be great. Yes, it hey, will be. The show's going to be great, but you're going to get the itch again. Because you know what? Part of my theory is this: this year has just been so miserable. Like, I mean, it's not just the Texans. It's been so miserable all the way around. Like, it 2020. Everyone knows. I mean. I had a baby this year. Like, I just had a baby. And I still consider 2020 trash. Like, it's been that bad. And that's, it sucked everything out of you. You're going to get the itch back. Things are going to start to get to normal. You're going to say, hey, you know, I miss arguing with John and telling him how wrong he is about whatever is going on. Um, I miss picking those fights. And something will work out. So, yeah, yeah you're taking a hiatus. You're going to recharge your batteries. You'll be back. Yeah. I know you'll yeah. be back. Yeah, and even if I'm not, Sinister, I will be back for special appearances. I will come on whenever the hell I please, and uh, they'll just have to deal with it because that's my personality and that's who I am. And I know John will open up open up his arms like he would normally. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be here. But, but to be clear, Pat will be a part of this moving forward, whether I come back uh, whatever that dynamic looks like, Pat is a part of Texans Unfiltered, and he needs a outlet for his voice to be heard, um, whether it's his growth or just his overall um, relationships. Um, and he has he has the opportunity to do something that I think needs to be done for him specifically, and I think this will be good for him. So, all right, with that, let's get off the soapbox. Um, so Sunday happened. Um, I thought you didn't watch the game. I, I thought well, I, I saw that on Twitter that you were like, I'm not even watching. 
I wasn't watching until I saw that I was tagged on Twitter, and then this colleague, the whole colleague crowd came out of nowhere, uh, which was, was enough glorious. to get me. It was glorious. It was, that that second reception, beautiful. Everything that you dreamed it would be. That's those are the types of passes I would expect him to catch, and those are what he should be thrown. Um, I have nothing bad to say about Kahale in that sense. I still think Akins is a better tight end, and if it takes him going to another team for somebody to realize that, that's fine. Um, but, yeah, so then I tuned in and watched the last quarter, and, uh, well, you know, I wasn't wasn't uh, disappointed in any way by the way it ended as uh, the Texans found another way to lose a game at the end of a game. Um, whatever. I don't really know, like – I mean, my expectations were that we were going to actually get demoralized by the Colts. I didn't expect it to be a game. Uh, that was my expectation. So the fact it was a game. So I went back and rewatched it when the All-22 came out. Uh, lots of good things, man. Like, there's so many good things to build on uh, on this team. You know, a lot of people were talking crap about the Texans. That's fine. I get it. We're the joke right now. We're the armpit of the NFL and all that other stuff. Um, you know, uh, even a certain person made a, a video of how Deshaun Watson is um, – to to be blamed for um, whatever I don't even know I couldn't watch the video I just saw the I didn't, hundreds. I, didn't I, watch I read it. the comments to make sure that it wasn't a joke because like yeah. I said the only thing that could have been redeeming about that is if he went haha just kidding he's better um, something along those lines because <laughs> oh your buddy Bill your buddy Bill um, yeah the only way that video could have made any sense is if he went, haha, just kidding. Deshaun Watson is better than you think he is. Because when you sit there and you do actually pull up the All-22 or you go rewatch the game and you want to put yourself through that misery again, if you focus on just four, things aren't so bad. Like, when, I'm sure you're, this is the point you're about to make, like, things aren't so bad for the Texans because of Deshaun Watson. Like, there's pieces that can slide in around him, and it won't take long to get things to rebound back because Deshaun is playing on an entirely another, another level. Um, I made the mistake earlier this year of saying that we may need to get our intro redone, um, but at this point where you say that you believe Deshaun Watson is better than Patrick Mahomes, it needs to stay. Like That needs to just be blasted, and more people need to start paying attention because if Deshaun was in that situation that you said when we had this argument over the offseason, or you and Texans Thoughts, actually, uh, Jordan had the argument or the discussion about it. You were right. You put Deshaun in that situ- situation with those pieces around him, with that team around him, the narrative changes. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, I think that that's the, that's the biggest thing is the fact that, you know, I mean, Mahomes definitely uh, – has a better roster, a better coach, a better scheme. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's, I don't understand how anybody could say that uh, Patrick Mahomes is a hundred percent better than um, uh, Deshaun Watson, but that's just me. I don't know. Um, but enough about that guy. Um so with with that being said, though, um, the game itself, you know, is what it is. You know, it's a it's the third to last game of the season. Um, you know, what, what what expectations can you really have at this point? Um, you know, I, I just I really can't think of 
who went into this game expecting, you know, fireworks and the offense to be, you know, <laughs> amazing and the defense to stand up and play against, you know, a Frank Reich led offense. And uh, there's just so many, so many different things to it. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Well, yeah, you expected Eberflus to take that tape from two weeks ago and really dial it up on Deshaun. And for a moment there, it looked like he was going to um, with the zone blitzes or the sun blitzes or whatever you want to call them, where they were able to constantly get pressure with three or four linemen. Like, they weren't sending true blitzes. They were sending three or four rushers. They were just able to absolutely confuse our offensive line, which, again, I've said it about a 100 different times here. I want Mike Devlin's skill at not getting fired. Like, I want him to teach a class on how do you be bad at your job and not get fired. Like, honestly, Devlin should have been one of the first offensive coaches that were that was fired years ago. And Bill O'Brien never shied away from firing assistants. But Devlin's still around. And what he does to our offensive line is about criminal. Um, not about. It is entirely criminal. Right. But somehow, some way, we were able to actually bounce back and not get blown out by the Colts, even though 20 minutes in to the game, I was like, oh, this is going to be awful. And you know what? It actually turned out to be an entertaining game. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it was. It was definitely a – it was a very fun game, um, which I guess is all you can really ask for, right? I mean, what – at this point, what, what can you really ask for? You're, you're just looking to enjoy some football, but um, I don't know. I just what what can we? What should the expectations be? Should they be that you know we're we're going to make the playoffs? Well, we know that's not the case. We were eliminated what um, three weeks ago, right? So okay, so what's next? Um, you know, I don't know. I just – there's no expectations. Honestly, I mean, at at this point in the season with a team in this situation, all we should be watching for is what guys are going to contribute next year. Like, that's it. I mean, some of these things that they're doing with some of the vets, like, they don't need tape. They need to let the young guys play. They need to let guys get some tape on them. I mean, that's the right thing to do. It's to see whether or not they're going to be a part of the Texans or even have a career in the NFL. Like, there's guys like – the one that jumps to mind is Keon Crossan. He went yeah. out there and he actually showed out. Like, he played really, really well. And at, it almost seems like he was – or it doesn't seem like he was forced into this position to even be able to, to get to play. He should have had tape on him from the beginning of the season, the way that he's gone out there and he's played – and just the spot relief role that injuries force him into. Because he goes out there and he shows up. Um, somebody like Scotty Phillips, he didn't have a he didn't have a preseason. He goes no. out there and he shows a little bit of juice. Yeah. He should be allowed to have that. Like nothing against David Johnson, because David Johnson had his best game as a Texan. And we finally have started to figure out, you know, we can throw to running backs, which makes a big, big difference. But I mean, no offense to him, but Scotty Phillips should get more carries. See what he's got. Buddy Howell has definitely earned him. He's been a special teams player for three years. He's gone out yep. there and been a very solid special teams player. He should have been rewarded with carries as soon as we were 
we were out of the playoffs. Let him get some tape. See if he still has a career. That's what they do. And Let me ask you this, John. Would you be upset if next year your running back stable was Duke, Buddy, Scotty? From what the little bit we've seen, probably not. Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I know there's still there's still things to be seen, and I'm not saying that they're this great running back room. But at the end of the day, like we've seen more life out of those three than we've seen from anything else this year. I mean, David definitely had a great game in the passing game, um, without a doubt. Um, but at the end of the day, like those three, I'd feel way more comfortable. Buddy is your short yardage guy who can plow through and, and get you yards. Scotty Phillips, I don't know yet. One game, small sample size. Let's see what he's got the rest of the year. But, you know, and then Duke in the passing game, you know, so you still have, there's just, you have your types of three. I'm not saying that's who they should bring back, but if they did, I wouldn't be upset because I, first of all, I don't want them paying for a running back. And two, I don't want them over drafting for a running back. So if, if those were the case, or even if it was other guys that they just picked up to give a shot that are similar to these three, I'd be fine with that. Um, yeah. I mean, we traded a, Third round pick, and we played Duke, Jock, Duke Johnson. Uh, he's getting paid what five million a year? Oh, Tony Yo-Yo. five million a year. Um, that is way too much to invest in one running back. That is a third down back. And then with David Johnson's contract on top of that, we have way overpaid our running backs. And this is no disrespect to. I'm not one of those guys that says running backs don't matter, because it's the exact opposite. Running backs are typically the best athletes on the field. But there's so many of them, and they're so reliant on other people to do their jobs correctly that unless you are an absolutely transcendent talent at running back, it's not worth paying you because you're going to get so beat up so quickly that you're not even going to stay transcendent for that long. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, What else do you really want to take away from this game, John? I mean, Kiki Um, was great. I know that I know that I know everybody's yeah. crushing them, and I know you know whatever. But um, what would you what would you think if the starting wide receivers next year is Fuller, Hanson, and Kiki? Fuller, Hanson, and Kiki. I probably be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd probably from, be fine. From what we've seen, like that's an average NFL wide receiving core. I mean, you've got Fuller, who's above average, um, Hanson, who can go in there. And if he continues to show what he's shown, granted, small sample size, but he goes out there, he runs the routes that he needs to, he's a willing blocker, he sits in zones, he understands how to do that. So having him as your as your ex or your flanker, that's not a bad, not, not, the, not the worst thing. It's not the best thing, but it's not the worst thing. And Kiki... If he could hold on to the goddamn ball, shows something every now and then. He's got some juice. He really does. That poor kid at this point, um, if he could just hold on to the ball, because he, he fumbles at the most inopportune time. But if he gets that under control and he gets that fixed, and he could, then, yeah, like he's a, he could be a very, very good slot receiver. Yeah, I, I, look, Kiki is – Look, these things are going to happen when you're not playing a lot of snaps, when you're not when you're not on the field consistently, right? These these are going to happen. You got to also remember before Kiki even got back on the field, he was also not taking first team reps and and all these other things. So, it's accumulation of all sorts of things that have happened. Um, but 
you know, I, I think we've seen enough to know that we should build on Kiki um, and give him another chance next year because he's shown so much potential that it's worth developing him again and just seeing what we can get out of a full year. Yeah, and we've got to figure out something to do with Cobb. I'm kind of counting Cooks is gone because they let him go. That that frees up quite a bit of space. And, uh, Tony, kind of the point that I'm getting to is with Cobb, we can't cut him. His contract is a poison pill. Um, that's the problem with Cobb. But Cobb and whatever we end up paying Fuller, if we keep Fuller, or we keep Fuller or Cooks, one of the two, at that point we're going to already be in the top third of of our, sap alloca- our calorie, salary cap allocation to wide receivers. So we have to get some bargain basements somewhere. So you essentially need one guy that can just come in, show up, do his job, and then another guy who's still on a rookie contract, and we hopefully draft somebody that we can slide in as a as another role player. Um, that's the problem. Like, it's not an easy fix, but depending on how the general manager takes a look at it, if he takes a look at position groups by spending, they don't have a lot of room to fix the wide receiver room. Like, they just don't because it's kind of a mess, particularly because of the Cobb contract, and you're going to have to either pay Cooks or Fuller, and either way, that's about the same cap hit. Like, Cooks, if you release them, it's actually a good contract to release them with. We free up a ton of money. But if we're going to release Cooks, we got to resign Fuller. or Because if we let both Cooks and Fuller go, that makes the wide receiving core not look so great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I if it's me, I would probably, based on what I've seen on film this year from Deshaun and his growth, it, I'm only worried about keeping Fuller. Uh, the rest, honestly, don't matter to me. You could fill those spots. Uh, not to downplay who those other wide receivers are, uh, you know, but Chad Hansen, he's a cheap re-sign. No matter what he's done in these three or four games, he's still a cheap re-sign. You can keep Chad, right, chemistry with Deshaun. Kiki, he's under his rookie deal for one more year, so Kiki's going to stay. Outside of that, you know, if you have a way out, which I think you do with Cooks, right, there's no guaranteed money left, so that's that's $12 on the books. You'd only give up a second-round pick for him, but whatever. What Chris 9K is bringing up, I just want to address that while you're – because you're kind of talking about at the same time is the Texans have the ability to free up about $60 million in salary cap. There is a uh, Texans cap put it out a little while ago, and the moves that they can make, and some of it's also depending on what they decide to do with J.J. Watt, there's about $60 million they can free up. So they have breathing room. David Johnson, he's going to be gone. Both both his and Cook's contract, I think between the two of them are like a good third of that. It's at least $20 million they can free up almost instantly. But there's um, things that can be done very, very quickly to free up cap space. The point that I'm trying to make is with that Cobb contract, if you release Cobb, $8 million. If you trade Cobb, $8 million. That's his dead cap hit. It's a horrible contract for the franchise. It was so poorly done that that's what's going to tie us up. Now, you may, a good GM usually looks at his roster and he allocates a certain percentage to each position group. Now, that Cobb contract and Merciless on the defensive side, that screws up a couple of position groups, and it's going to be interesting how the next guy comes in and takes a look at it. So my hypothetical to James was 
we're going to have to overpay our receivers no matter what because of that cop contract, even if we release Cooks. And Fuller should get a solid contract. Like, yeah. Hopefully we get him at a little bit of a discount now. Um, but he's going to get paid. Who, Fuller? Oh, yeah. Fuller's going to get paid. Do you think he's yeah. – he, so what do you think happens with Fuller since, since we won't be talking about it in the offseason together? He's coming back. They're gonna they're gonna find a way to make that work. I think that he ends up he shot himself in the foot figuratively with with taking those shots, but it's the NFL. I mean, half the half the league has PD issues at some point or another. Like nobody's gonna hold that against them. It's more the it's more the the fact that he didn't finish a full season, and I don't think he's finished a full season. So that's what's actually gonna hurt him. Yeah. No, I would, I would agree. Um, all right, trying to think of what else regarding this game. Um, touch on crossing. Tyrell Adams is a beast. Um, I know Matt Weston disagrees, thinks he's not a long-term guy. I, I, I think you can build with him, especially with a, uh, with a competent DC. I think that that's going to be very interesting. Um, so I think Adams and Cunningham B-Max out. So, yeah, I'm going to have to read that. I, I haven't been on Twitter as much. Um, it's one of the things I'm also trying to get away from. But um, I'll have to go read Texans cap stuff. But um, I think you have to franchise fully, though. That may happen. I think they're going to try and sign him for a long-term deal because of him and Deshaun's relationship. And if I'm the GM, after getting rid of one of Deshaun's best friends, I'm not going to get rid of the other one. Bill O'Brien got rid of Hopkins. You know that hurt Deshaun's heart. Next GM's going to come in, and he's going to try and soothe that, so he's going to try and keep his best friend around. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think I think it's more of can you stay healthy. I don't know. I don't think it's more of, like, we don't want you in the organization long term. It's more let's see a year, let's see no PEDs, and let's see no injuries, and then after this we'll sign you to a long-term deal. But we'll see. Um, all right. Lots of news in regards to coaching, general manager, general manager stuff. Um, the biggest news to come out today is the fact that as of tomorrow, um, teams can reach out to coordinators, um, basically any internal staff of any NFL team, all 32 teams. Um, teams can reach out and uh, request for interview uh for those candidates for the uh available head coaching candidacy uh, uh for the Houston Texans. What are your expectations over the next week, uh John, as we're getting we're getting this information two weeks prior to when we would normally get it. Um what what do you think's gonna happen over the next uh, next you know week, maybe days? Uh you know, according to Pat, he's already they've already filed some uh, some requests for interviews. We're not going to get into the details of who those play, who who those offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators are. But what is your expectation over the next couple of days? Do you think that we're going to see rumblings? Do you think that there'll be some things uh, broke regarding who we've reached out to and all that? Um, I actually don't think so. I think that <clears throat> I part of me wants to say that we're going to be one of the first teams to announce a hire. But it all kind of depends. Like, the next couple of days, we'll see. Like, some coaches won't do interviews while their teams are still in it. And those mm. are a lot of the coaches that we want. Now, some coaches will. Um, for instance, when I remember when the Falcons hired Dan Quinn, that was a 
that was a known thing, and the Seattle was about to go to the about to go to the Super Bowl, and that was already known. Um, I'm sure that there's other, but for whatever reason, that's the one that sticks in my head right now. Um, so I think it'll be interesting over the next couple of days. We'll probably get some leaks on who they want to talk to, but we already know who they want to talk to. I mean, that's pretty much common sense. Like even the Caldwell interview, everybody's all up in arms about that. We knew that he was going to talk to him. We knew that that was one of the guys that was going to be. Do you have a problem with it? No. Would you have Um, a problem if he was hired? I would be disappointed. Um, Essentially, my whole point has been I don't want to retread. I want fresh blood. I want somebody. And the reason I say that is because of the change in the NFL with the past couple of uh, quarterbacks, specifically with Deshaun, but just the embrace of the more modern game, uh, faster pace, um, having an athlete at a quarterback position. And Caldwell, I know he's smart. I know wherever he goes, the offenses tend to improve. But he didn't – and I'm not even going to hold the lines against them because they were kind of a hot mess. But I don't want retreads. I want people that have had experience with, like, the new way of thinking, that are open to new ways of thinking. Because I don't think the – I think we're kind of in this weird phase in the NFL where it's kind of switching into a different sort of game. And we've seen it, and we've seen steps, but I think that the I don't think that it's done with that change. And I want coaches that are kind of at the forefront that are pushing that. And Caldwell wouldn't be the worst, but I I would be sad. I would be a little sad. I am I've never heard of Joe Schoen, so I'm I'm, I'm looking at him now. Um, let me see here. He's the assistant general manager. God, he looks old. Oh, that's the chief executive of U-Haul. I was like, oof. He looks really old. Just so everybody understands, the CEO of uh, of U-Haul is also uh, Joe Schoen. So um, don't 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 get too uh, up in arms about it. He was born in 1949. That's not who uh, Tony A was talking about. Um, okay, so he was with the Carolina Panthers. Um built that that team that's yeah that's good um i mean those those teams were fun um and now he is the assistant general manager for the buffalo bills okay i mean i'm not i don't know enough about him but that's an interesting name i have not heard or seen that name so i honestly don't know but that's it's nice to hear a um a name that has not been thrown out so tony ale props to you that's kind of like your joe brady i guess um all right, so what are your expectations? We didn't get into that. I mean, are you, what names are you expecting to hear this week? Are you expecting to hear any names? Are they all the top names that we already know? What What is what is your expectation? Yeah, we're going to talk to Eric Benamy. We're going to talk to Salah. Um, those two, without a doubt. Um, Dabble, up in Buffalo, I'm sure he's going to get talked to. Um. And then Eberflus would be – those are my four tops, and I can't imagine that any of them will not get talked to. Maybe Eberflus just because, you know, Indianapolis is in the same division. But, yeah, like, those are the type of names that the Texans should, and I'm sure they will be talking to. And then there's a couple other guys out there. Um, shoot, why am I forgetting his name? Um 
the coordinator up in Green Bay that Pat was all about. Um, he used to be the he was the QB coach on on the Rams when they went to the Super Bowl. Now he's the offensive coordinator in Green Bay. I don't know, but yeah, he's somebody that he said was the dark horse, and I I'm actually after doing a little bit of research. Why can't I think of his name? But I am all about him now. Um, okay. That and, offense looks great this year. Yeah. Here, here's the thing about just about anybody on the Shanahan tree. Like, they do well. And when you put them with a quality quarterback, they do really well. Any surprise names you expect uh, to, to be interviewed uh, over the next week or two? Yeah, that's why I don't know their names. <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna interview somebody that's gonna piss us all off. Like they absolutely are. Um, I think it's Hackett. What? Hackett? What is his name? Dang it! I'm actually gonna have to look this up. Um, let's see. I can tell you. Let's look. That's Matt Lafleur, and then there. Oh, Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. Yeah, that dude. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that offense is definitely humming. Um, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. But let's see what he's done so far. Began his coaching career at his alma mater, University of California. Also spent three seasons at Stanford, four seasons as an NFL offensive quality control coach in Tampa Bay and Buffalo. Offensive coordinator and tight ends quarterback coach at Syracuse in 2012. First season as an NFL offensive coordinator in 2013, oversaw a Buffalo offense that ranked number two in the NFL in rushing. Oh, that's a very cherry-picked uh, stat there. Um, just in rushing, huh? <clears throat> in 2017, helped guide the Jaguars to a number one league ranking in rushing. Okay, so he's a rushing specialist. Helped Green Bay's offense rank number two in the league in giveaways last season with just 13. That's a cherry-picked stat. Okay, I'll, I'll just say this, though. Uh, based on what I've seen from Hackett um, this year with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, I, I definitely wouldn't be upset with, with interviewing him. Uh, he, he's older, yeah. though. Yeah, he is older, but he's kind of he's kind of in the special sauce for Lafer. <clears throat> I can't say his name. Um, the Green Bay head coach, because remember when he was at Tennessee, his offense didn't do anything in Tennessee. No, Lafer. Uh, it was very vanilla, and yep. Mariota looked like he took three steps backwards. And probably actually costed him, cost uh, Mariota his career. Now him and Hackett get together and they go up to Green Bay. Granted, you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, so that's a little bit of a cheat code. But I mean, that offense looks great now. It looks very, very fluid. Want to take this? Wouldn't it be smart. Yeah. Um, Read it so that the podcast listeners can hear. Wouldn't it be smart to sign a defensive coach so that our PC can spend 100% of his time with Watson? instead of running an entire team, whether it's Evie or any OC or head, head coach. Yes. I actually would be completely cool with the, um, the special teams coach from the Chiefs. Like, I actually like him a lot. Okay. So part of that, part of the reasoning that I have behind that is you want a guy that can evaluate his coaches. You don't really want the guy that's, it's trying – like, we don't want another Bill O'Brien. Like, I don't even want uh, a, a McVeigh um, out in Los Angeles. 
I want a guy like John Harbaugh that takes what his team has and adapts it. You're in, you're out. And let's see. Yeah, Kansas City special teams coach Dave Taub. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. He's got a lot of, uh, lot of, lot of guys of that I think gets interviewed every year, but no one ever hires him because he is a special teams coach. But there's something to say to say about that. Like, I think that you come in and he chooses offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators and lets them do their job. If he can evaluate whether or not they do their job well. Like, honestly, if we got down to it, my biggest problem with Bill O'Brien was twofold. He didn't have enough coaches, and he obviously couldn't evaluate the coaches he had. He came in, he tried to do a Belichick. Uh, Belichick has this philosophy with his coaches and his, um, like his quality control coaches. Like he gives, starts them out with a small plate and keeps adding things to their plate better than they can handle it. And that's why he's brought up so many offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. That's why he's grown, has so many homegrown coaches. And Bill O'Brien tried to do that, and he couldn't. And this is part of the reason why we're in the mess we are in now is other than Bill O'Brien, like Tim Kelly and Anthony Weaver are just not ready for coordinator roles. They are in so far over their heads and they both show flashes of brilliance. They both show something, but they weren't ready for the roles that they have. And this is where the coaching staff is absolutely, I mean, that's where Bill O'Brien absolutely failed, is he could not evaluate talent on his coaching staff. And obviously, he couldn't evaluate talent um, as a general manager, what they're actually worth on the open market. So there was a couple of failings. But even if he had a GM, Bill O'Brien was going to be in trouble because he keeps people around like Mike Devlin. So if you get a guy that's a special teams coordinator, um, I'm hoping that during the interview process, he proves that he is able to evaluate coaches and hold coaches accountable. And that's not him trying to defend the offense. That is the offensive coordinator. That's not him trying to defend the defense, not him meddling with the defense. That is the defensive coordinator. There's also that divide. So I am very much intrigued by going that route instead of sitting here trying to find a head coach whose scheme is perfect for Deshaun. Well, why don't we find a head coach who's a perfect head coach who can evaluate a coordinator who would be perfect for Deshaun and let that coordinator deal with Deshaun? 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contract the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best available offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online. Football is back in full swing. 
You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, also, uh, the Texans have interviewed uh, Matt Bazigan, uh for their general manager uh, duty. It seemed more of like a, uh, you've been with us for so long, here's an interview type of situation. But, but, I wouldn't put it past them if that was also something they considered so far. Uh, they interviewed Lewis Riddick last week. Uh, very interesting uh, choice. Uh, I like Lewis Riddick. Uh, I do think he's a very good evaluator of talent. Uh, he has a, a, a pretty good resume uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think he's also done something else. Also with uh, with your special teams coach, you have to wonder, is, is, is Joe Judge a reason to maybe start to look at special teams coordinators, right? Because he was picked off in New England as, you know, he was the special teams coordinator, hired as the head coach in, in New York. And while I think they've only won five games, you know, he's had Colt McCoy for three games as a quarterback. The team definitely looks very well coached. Um, definitely lacking talent on both sides of the ball for the Giants. But uh, I wonder if that's kind of, you know, you always see trends in the NFL. It's usually how it starts. One team takes a risk. It works out. Rams, young quarterback, young coach, McVay, boom. Okay, now the rest of the league's starting to look. Um, you have to wonder if there'll be some ripple effects from the Giants hiring uh, Joe Judge as their offensive coordinator, um, or I mean as their head coach, and see if that's something that maybe starts to open up other areas of the coaching trees or the coaching sides to interview for head coaching candidacies as well. So that'll be very interesting. But, yeah, Bazrigan interviewed, Lewis Riddick interviewed, Jim Caldwell interviewed for the head coaching position. Uh, I think that's I right. Lewis Riddick was like a legitimate interview. Like I think that he has a he seems like he has a great football mind. Yeah, granted, he's very polished. Yeah, and granted, part of that may be him being a broadcaster, but I think there is a part of the role as general manager, especially here in Houston, that you need to have a little bit of that showmanship. Yeah, like this market, especially how we've been treated by the past regime is desperate for a very good talking head figure. And if you have a general manager who can take on that and as well as has a solid football mind that can work with a head coach, I think that that could do wonders for earning back a lot of the goodwill that this fan base really wants. And somebody, I don't know, Reddick, I mean, Louis Reddick, he just comes across like he knows how he would be able to handle the Easter Bunny. I could be wrong, but he just comes across. Like, that's one of the things I like him. Uh, what I like about him is he, you know, in the GM, you don't necessarily always look for, um, you don't look for, like, leader of men, but you, that's also a very important part of being a general manager. I think that people tend to overlook is you're, you're going to have, you don't coach the guys, right? But you still need to be a leader. You still need to be able to relate to them. Um, you still need to just be able to connect with the players in a way. And I think that, um, I think that that's important. I think Lewis Riddick does bring that with him. Um, 
I, I think that's really the biggest thing for me. But we'll see. I, I don't think that Lewis Riddick is out of the running. I think it's more or less that that Lewis Riddick is. Um, I think he's also taking his time um, and evaluating all the other situations. Uh, you know, he does have interviews set up. Um, he already interviewed with the Lions. He has an interview set up with Jags. I, I think he's not necessarily like a top candidate, but I think he's a guy that a lot of people want to kind of dig in and, and find out some more information, get his vision of what a roster and the team should look like. And I think also the Texans are doing the same thing. I think that they're casting a wide net. They want to interview all candidates. They want to make sure that they get the right guy, or at least hopefully, hopefully that's, that's what they want to do. I know, I know there's a, a lot of, there's a stigma around the Texans right now with fans, with media, with local reporters that, this um, this team isn't going to do this right. And, you know, um, you even mentioned that when we were talking to Pat before, or Pat was doing No, Pat mentioned it, and then you just kind of agreed. But, um, you know, we have to hope that this team is really doing things the right way and is going to hire the right people for the job. Because I'll tell you right now, if it's Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario, I don't know if this fan base can handle that higher. I might go be a 49ers fan for like four or five years. <laughs> like, I I almost – it's almost not a joke. Like that will break me in a way. Like that absolutely will break me. Like that is one of the – not the worst. Like I think that – I think like a Dorsey-Caldwell combo, like that might break me. Like I can deal with a GM that I'm not excited about. I can deal with a coach I'm not excited about, but if I have to get both, and if they try to continue this Patriot South wannabe, I that no, I I want I want Jack Easter be gone. I don't know if that's going to happen, but if they bring down Cesario and McDaniel's, dude, that's going to be miserable. Yeah, I just I don't know. I'm trying to think of it from like a fan base perspective, and I just don't see. Um, I don't know. Ah, it's it's going to be very hard. It's going to be very hard to sell that to the fan base after what we just went through. And I think, I think, I think you could see somewhat of a revolt. And I think without actually giving them a chance to see what it looks like on the field, to be honest with you, I think the fans are very, very. Um, I think they're on edge and I haven't seen the fan base get to a point to where they've been ever before like this, yeah. any fan base in general, but I, I just have not seen a lot of, I, I just haven't seen much positive, even from the positive crowd. And that's somewhat concerning to me, but you know, if, if they have a pulse of this fan base and understand how important this hire is, you know, then they'll, they'll be fine. But if they don't, then it could be, there, there could be massive mistakes. Um, all right, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, they also interviewed John Dorsey or had a conversation with John Dorsey. Tony Ayeo says, why do you hate John Dorsey? I don't necessarily hate John Dorsey. I just don't believe he's a great talent evaluator. I think Dorsey, like I understand, like he took Tyreek Hill, like the character guys, but like those aren't hard things to do. That's more of a, just a risk. Like Tyreek Hill, out of college, his – you know, his physical attributes and what he does, it's not a reach to draft Tyreek Hill. And it's also not hard. You, you, you can draft those guys. Um, 
So, you know, Baker Mayfield, I still think it's out on, you know, I don't know yet about Baker, you know, especially number one overall, um, you know, Nick Chubb, sure. But who didn't know that Nick Chubb was going to be great? Uh, so I guess from a talent evaluator perspective, I haven't seen enough from Dorsey to think that there's a um, <clears throat> there's a reason to to hire him and him to get a third shot as a general manager. That's probably the biggest thing for me with Dorsey is I just don't think he deserves a third shot. I think that you're you're right on, and the reason that I'm not excited about him is just go read anything that the Chiefs or the Browns have to say about them. Um, for two teams that are supposedly need to thank him for their success. They don't really want to. They're not really happy with him. Um, pretty much the best thing that Dorsey does is he's not afraid of character issues. Um, so he got Tyree Kill because he's not yep. afraid of character issues. And then he went over to the Browns and brought over um, Kareem Hunt because yep. he's not afraid of character issues. And he drafted Baker Mayfield because he's not afraid of character issues. Now – the jury's still out on on Baker. <laughs> you know our opinion of him. Um, but the guys that are currently running the Browns were the guys that were really pushing that talent. And, you know, I just – Dorsey's one of those guys I think that maybe he's a good voice to have in a front office, but I don't want him being the guy that's in charge. Yeah, I just, uh, like I said, I, I think a lot of times fans, when it comes to uh, Dorsey, I think they see the blockbuster moves. They see the trades, the Odell Beckhams, you know, and they think, oh, he's willing, he's aggressive. He's willing to go get the players he wants and things of that nature. But, like, ask the Browns and Browns fans how they feel about that Odell Beckham trade. And look at the offense without Odell. And look yeah. what you gave up to get Odell. And I, I think that's a bit much. But, I don't know, I guess yeah. we'll have to wait. I mean, Odell's done absolutely nothing in Cleveland, and he'll probably be gone next year. So does that even count? Yeah, I don't know. Jordan! How you doing, James? John? What's up, dude? What's up, dude? <sighs> I, How are you? I, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to play moderator here between you and James. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you crushed his boo, dude. I crushed his, his love. You did? No, I had to do it to him. Hey, it's just my opinion, you know. If he's going to be the head coach, like I think he's going to be a good head coach eventually. I just don't want to take the risk on him right now. And, and, you know, I got a bunch of reasons for that. But it is what it is. Everyone's open to their own opinions. That's totally fine. Yeah. No. D- I disagree with the facts or the, the statements. Um, but that's the point of Twitter is to have a disagreement and a different opinions. Yep. Um, whether they're not facts or are facts, doesn't matter. Um, so question and answers. Let's talk a little bit about um, – these questions, and then I guess, uh, what are your thoughts on the Colts game? Anything you really want to add to, to the game? Uh, let's just put that, that game in our okay. in the rearview mirror, to be honest. I'll get into the questions for sure. You guys can always hit me up on Twitter, and this first one's going to come from Gorka, my guy. And he says, I'll start off with this one because it's not exactly a question, but I'll, I'll turn it into a question. And he says, mm-hmm. not a question but give some damn love to Brandon Staley on the pod. He is so underrated as a candidate for the head coaching job. I know you love him as much as I do, but make it public, man. And so I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on on Brandon Staley as a potential head coach candidate. Well, based on the Joe Brady video, it's Brandon Staley has to be out, right? See, here's the difference. Here's the difference between Joe Brady and Brandon Staley. I actually like Brandon Staley's scheme. 
Joe Brady and Brandon Staley, they do have the same question marks of, do they have enough experience? Do they Can they put together a roster? Are they the type of leader that we're looking for? But the difference for me here is, is Staley is doing something where he's really elevating the talent that he has. And he has a very talented roster with the Rams defense. But the things that he's doing X's and O's wise, adjustments wise, is a lot more I like than I'm seeing with Joe Brady, who isn't having that much success with Carolina. And so that's where it really separates for me. What about coaching staff you could bring? Coaching staff, well, he was, there's, um, you can pick guys from the Sean McVay from the Rams as an offensive guy. He was with the, with Fangio and the Bears before. You can get some defensive guys there. Um, but like I did say, he, the coaching staff is a question mark with him, just like it is with Brady. It's not as good as a, as an EB. It's not as good as a site, as a Sala as well, for sure. I like Staley. I'm, I'm fine with Staley. Uh, I, I think he would bring a dynamic that is needed, um, especially to a side of the ball that, um, is going to need uh, a complete shot in the arm uh, without question um, <laughs> because they're lacking talent. And that Rams defense, while they have three stars that are extremely good, uh, they don't have like this most overly talented defensive roster. Uh, they have guys like Leonard Floyd in Chicago who they didn't even pick up his fifth-year option because he was not very good for them and turned him into a great player. Um so just watching his development of players and, and what he's done this year, I, I have no reason to not want to bring uh, Staley in. I think he's done a hell of a job. And for the people that are like, oh, you have Jalen Ramsey, you have Aaron Donald. Yeah, sure, every team's going to have a guy here. Yeah. So if, if that's going to be your knock, then you're not watching the games. Um, so I, I'm fine with Staley. Another young guy, uh, which I think is is the trend of the NFL, which what we're seeing you know, with LaFleur and everybody else. So – um, I think it makes a ton of sense. I wouldn't be hesitant at all to to bring in Staley. Awesome, awesome. All right, we're going to move on, though, because we've got a lot of questions and a lot of good ones, too. And so next one is from at Report Texans, and he says, our thoughts on Mike Borgonzi. John, how do you feel about Borgonzi, the Chiefs Director of Player Personnel? I mean, I don't really have an opinion on him. I don't know much about him. Uh, he's with the Chiefs, so of course he's got that going for him. <laughs> um, the Chiefs are a very well put together team. Yep. Now, part of it is coaching, um, and I, part of it has to be the guys going out there and finding the talent. So, yeah, definitely. I think. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but I wrote an article about Borgonzi, so you guys can check that out on the site. He's my number two GM candidate. I think he's a very great drafter. I think that's really his main calling card, and he's he knows how to assemble talent, like John said, and he knows how to assemble a Super Bowl-winning team too. So that's the thing with him is he's got the Super Bowl-winning experience, mm-hmm. and so I definitely be I definitely be all for Bergonzi. All right, um, do you guys talk about Jim Caldwell before? A little bit, a little, a little bit. bit. Okay, we'll move on from Caldwell. We'll talk about. Um, so Samuel wants to know basically predictions for like who the Texans will request to interview for the head coach vacancy because there was the news dropping that they can officially do it's online in only right interviews um, if the other team gives them access to. So James, who do you think if you if you pulling out pulling out your crystal ball trying to trying to predict the future who are the Texans going to request? I think you're muted by the way. That would make it easier if I wasn't. <laughs> um, Salah, Eb, Dabble, 
the, t- the, the typical candidates that you're going to hear, those are going to be the guys that you'll probably hear first. Um, I think it's cool that they're giving them an idea, the ability to be able to do it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to it. You know, does a offensive coordinator or DC get distracted by the potential future of a new team during the playoffs, which is the most important time, or does it get it out of the way uh, and let them focus on the playoffs? You know, so, so there's, there's lots of plus and minuses. You have to wonder which way it'll go, but uh, hopefully they, they're able to get, you know, these guys going as those are the top candidates. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said it already, like they're going to interview all the top guys. And I think one thing to take away from kind of what we've seen so far is that they are doing what we want in the fact that they're casting a wide net for GM and for head coach. They're, they're looking kind of for in different routes, whether it's from within, whether it's a retread, whether it's an out of quote unquote out of the box guy like Lewis Riddick, right? So I think they're doing what they want, what we want, casting wide net. And so we'll see basically every um, candidate who's been talked about will likely get an interview, or at least we'll try to. All right, let's move on. Mm, we got from Texans Optimist. He says, he wants to know our off-season targets for the Texans. You got a, a dream guy you, you're really interested in, John? Uh, not until I know what coach we have. That's fair. That's I, fair. I, hate, I hate to say it. I think that we honestly don't even know what holes we're going to have until we hire a GM and what coach they bring in. Because, again, there's a lot of potential for them to, to open up some cap space. Um, Texans cap, give him a shout-out. Always give him a shout-out. He put something together. I think it said $58 million, $60 million, something like that. Or is pretty much the amount of cap space with the type of moves that the Texans could make. And it's realistic. So at that point, yeah, there's a whole bunch of players we could go after. And... With what we need, I think we need a lot of we need a lot of guys that are above average. We don't even need to go after a lot of superstars. We have a lot of holes we got to fill. Um, if somebody gets sixty million and blows it on two players, then we're probably going to have the same conversations next year about how bad the Texans are. That's true. That's true. Yeah, good point. It's it's very early in the process when we don't know the foundational structure like the GM and what vision he and the coach are going to have. Um, but kind of some players that I think are are scheme diverse. You know, it doesn't really matter who we hire as a head coach or a GM are William Jackson III, cornerback out of Cincinnati, getting a lot of hype right now. He can be a legit cornerback one. He follows around other teams' wide receiver ones. Uh, maybe he's not a lockdown guy like a Jalen Ramsey, but he's pretty damn close for what you're going to get with this free agent class. Why are the um, Bengals going to let him walk? Like, I know he's blowing up everywhere, but I don't see a situation where the Bengals let him out of town. They shouldn't, and they have cap space of him, if I'm yeah. correct. Especially with franchise tag, Joe, like, Joey Burrow on a rookie contract. Yeah, he's he's not leaving. Like, I, I, I love him. If, if they let him somehow get out <laughs> of the – get out of Cincinnati, yeah, we should go after him. But that's kind of the thing that you bring up. And also, I forgot to say this two seconds ago, but last year we had this great podcast on all these targets that we went out and we researched. And nine out of ten of the guys that we talked to were re-signed with their original team and never even reached free agency. So it's hard to get excited about free agents when you don't even know who's going to be a free agent. That's true. That's true. We can we can speculate maybe kind of what are good fits and, and what we would like to happen versus kind of what's realistic going to happen. They're definitely two different things. Definitely, definitely. Um, moving on, though, and get another question. We'll get a question from Curry Sauce. He asks, with Watson's amazing growth 
do we still look at bringing in someone like OBJ or Michael Thomas or even, dare I say, Antonio Brown? Or just re-sign Fuller and run it back with everyone? What are your thoughts on that, James? Uh, I think you got to bring it back. I think the, the glaring holes are all on defense. I, I don't see a situation where you're going to try to get a Odell or a Mike Thomas or anything like that. Maybe an Antonio Brown, depending on the general manager and, and, and head coach. Um, you know, if they want to rock the boat as far as their – uh, the character things and all of that other stuff, but I, I just I don't think that we can spend that money on the offense. That's but that's just me. I, I think you're ignoring a side of the ball that that really needs it. Yeah, I think as well. I think and and his point with the with Watson's amazing. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that he can elevate your Kiki QTs, your Chad Hansons, even Kahali Waring had two catches, right? So, you know, give him a chance to run it back. I like that idea. I think the only thing is, like, Cobb's contract, very hard to deal with, very hard to get off. Uh, but Cook's contract, it's definitely something that you can look into restructuring. And if he doesn't want to restructure that, then there's your route where, you know, let's go with a, a cheaper wide receiver two option. And, you know, like James said, we're not going to see OBJs, Michael Thomases, those type. We'll see your Nelson Aguilar's, your Josh Reynolds, those types instead. All right, next question we got from Cal99131. He says, why the hell is Brett Quivale playing when Max Sharping is on the bench? Why the hell, John? Because Devlin hasn't been fired yet. Yep. I mean, there's absolutely no excuse for it. Um, I think I have a rant that we saved from like three weeks ago before I went out for baby. Pretty much just stating the reason that these things are happening is because Mike Devlin should have been fired three years ago, four years ago. Worst coach on our staff. And the things that he does to our offensive line is just, it makes, I don't have any hair, so I can't pull it out. But I'm not usually the guy that gets on a soapbox and says the coach should be fired. I'm not that guy. Mike Devlin should be fired. He should have been fired a long time ago. And Sharping is a second-round pick. Let the kid play. Let him work out his issues. What are you going to find out from Quave? Like, he's on his second contract, okay. But, I mean, he wasn't ever a starter. Like, he's from the Jets. He was cut by the Jets. Like, he's not he's, – he's a backup. Sharping should be a starter. He was a second-round pick. He has to be a starter. Let's find out if he is. If Sharping is really that bad, then he is. But you're not going to find it out by letting him sit on the bench and say, oh, he's not strong enough. Absolutely. And I think the it kind of points to the fact that they somehow, for whatever the reason, still want to play to win and play for it playoffs. That's what it seems like with how all the coaches talk. And so, like you said, like even if even if Kuovale is playing better than Max Sharping, let's say that, let's say that's the possibility – it doesn't matter because he's not going to be part of this future. And like you said, Sharping should. He showed a lot of promise in his rookie season. And so it just doesn't make any sense. You're just hurting your future even more. And, you know, talking about Mike Devlin, like like you said, he's got to go. I think the bar is very low for this new positional head coach, for this new positional O-line coach, sorry. And, you know, there's some interesting names out there. Maybe Mike Munchak, he's with the Broncos right now. Maybe he makes a lateral move. I don't know for sure. But the bar is so low. And, and my hashtag for the new O-line coach is just, don't do what Devlin did. D D W D D. It's a perfect little it's a little symmetry there. D D W D D. I want to brace it. Maybe that'll be our next shirt. Hopefully, hopefully. All right. James, we're going back to you. And 
our guy Matt Lipschitz again. He's Texan Optimist, and he wants to know offensive mind or defensive mind head coach. I'm pretty sure you want offense, right? Yeah, I want an offensive mind and a head coach just to take advantage of what Deshaun is. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to a defensive head coach just because that's where the holes are, right? We, we've talked about it all season, how bad this defense is, and a lot of it comes down to coaching. Um, but I just think the strengths of this team are on offense, and, and a good coach is going to come in and be able to make that even more of a weapon and more of a reason to uh, feel optimistic about this team with Deshaun. So, um yeah, I, I find it, you know, I think that that would be the most strategic approach. I think it's also the quickest turnaround, which is really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a quicker turnaround. I don't want a full rebuild. I think a DC is probably going to, you know, I think it, it might kind of, I don't know. You can go either way, to be honest with you. It's, it's, <laughs> there's really no right or wrong answer. You know, if the right, if the right DC brings in the right OC, then, it doesn't matter who, you know, defensive minded or, or not. It doesn't matter. So um, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I think they both could work. I'd prefer a head coach that can maximize Deshaun, though. Absolutely. I think I'm in the same boat with you. And, and like you said, like, there's a lot of different paths to success that we can take. We can take an offensive guy, we can take a defensive guy, we can take an old guy, a retread, we can take a young guy and take it and give a risk. And, and neither route has been like, 100% proven to work, and neither route has been 100% proven to fail. And so it's just one part of the puzzle. It's a big puzzle, a lot of pieces, and uh, let's hope they get most of them right because we know they're not going to have a perfect offseason. As much as we wish that to be the truth, they're not. They're going to get some things wrong, um, but let's hope we get more right than we get wrong for sure. Yeah. All right, last question, and then we'll get out of here. <clears throat> At Gator on, te- on Twitter, he says, how big of a priority should be placed on the return game for the new regime, it seems like the last several years the Texans haven't made an attempt to be dynamic in the return game. John, do you think the return game should be a big priority? Um. Well, yeah. <laughs> there are a special teams do have the capability of scoring points. I know we haven't seen that in three years. It's been three years, probably ever. I don't. I can't. I don't remember. Like. I, I'm seriously. I'm not. I, I'm sure it's happened. Oh, oh! I know the last time. When? Um, Barkevius Mingo, big play Mingo, blocks the punt in the Chiefs game. Lonnie Johnson runs it in. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the special teams, not return special game. Teams score. I mean, they can score points. Yeah. So it'd be nice if we had a returner that had, you know, the capacity to do something, um, or at least the common sense when not to do something and when to try to do something. Um, Carter was maddening. Um, you would take it out sometimes and you're like, why? And sometimes he wouldn't take it out and you're like, what? You had a lane. And I don't, I know that his numbers were kind of juiced because two years ago he led the league in return yard average, but yeah, that, that wasn't real. Um, again, special teams should be able to score a touchdown. We should be able to have big returns. I just can't remember the last time that it actually happened. Like, we're excited when we get a 15-yard return. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it's it's something you want to address, but it's not something you want to pour a lot of capital into. And I don't think that's where you were going with it. But I'm not. we're not saying, like, go spend your third-round pick on a pure kick returner, right? That's not what we're saying at all. Um, you think we want – obviously, we want it to be as good as possible. All three phases of the game, it's got to be good for you to win a Super Bowl. Right, and so I think one name that we can look at who's already on the roster is Scotty Phillips. Scotty yep. Phillips looked pretty damn good returning kicks. You know, he, I think he 
they were someone put up the numbers. I forget who tweeted it, but it was better than every single returner that we've had this year so far. And yep. so, you know what? Give the young kid a chance. He did punt returns in college. He's got some experience with it. He already showed out good. Um, ride him the rest of the season. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. But that's gonna do it for me. All the questions. Thank you guys for always coming with the with great questions as always. You can always hit me up on Twitter for sure and and uh, follow these fine gentlemen on Twitter as well. I have um, I have four questions for you. Uh, Jordan, Four. Okay. the last last one for me. Uh, so your issues with Joe Brady were that he doesn't elevate. Um, if you were to say how uh, DJ Moore uh, has done in the NFL, when would you say his best year is? When he had a quarterback not named Kyle Allen. Okay, so when he had Cam Newton? Okay, no. Okay, so he had his <laughs> best year this year, but do players not get better on their own? How do we know so he's, Joe he's Brady? Missed. He's missed three games, and he's only 100 yards off from his uh, last season's total. And his average yard per reception is up by five at 18.8. It was up 13.5. What about Robbie Anderson? How's the entire Panthers offense doing as a whole? Sure, you can have these individual guys, your wide receiver one, wide receiver two, doing good, but they're not doing good as an offense. They keep going, but that's because of a Teddy Bridgewater. You said he had success in the league win. He was he had great stats in his rookie season. He was eleven and five with the Vikings, who have a talented roster, but he still had to put up points on offense to win a game. He went five and zero as the backup coming into the Saints in twenty nineteen. He's not this scrub. He, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback. Obviously, he's not on Deshaun Watson level. He's probably not even on. He's not on like Baker Mayfield level. Not even there. He's probably a, a would you twenties. Um, level quarterback, but he's not just some scrub, and that's my point. And where Joe Brady should be able to tell to elevate a young quarterback who has had potential, who was a first round pick. That's what I'm saying. Wasn't he a second round pick? First round, thirty uh, second overall. Thirty second overall. Yeah. Um, what about? Would you rather have Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater? Um. Well, Sam Darnold was the second best quarterback in that class. He was the third overall pick. And I think from what you've seen, he's only been hurt so far by coaches. Yeah. Whereas you have, you do have a bigger sample size with Teddy Bridgewater. So I'd rather take the chance on Sam Darnold having a higher ceiling. Okay, because uh, Robbie Anderson has never amassed a uh, thousand yards in recep- in receiving yards, and this year with two games left, he's at a thousand seventeen. Um, Curtis Samuel, year before, six hundred twenty-seven yards. Uh, this year he's missed. Two games, and he is at 627 yards uh, and still two games to go. I guess my point is is that Teddy Bridgewater, I, I get it. I don't think he's a scrub by any means either, but his arm talent has always been an issue. Even coming out of college was his biggest question by all draft scouts, and he has zero arm strength to be able to do anything. So when you look at the ding and dunk offense, you look at the you know death by a thousand cuts, that's because Teddy can't push the ball down the field like most – Top tier quarterbacks can, you know, of that. And I'm not comparing him to a top tier quarterback, but I think that offense is built around Teddy Bridgewater and limited because of Teddy Bridgewater. All right. So then I would give you the counter argument of saying, has Joe Brady ever shown that he can run an offense around a quarterback with a bigger arm? No. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. He went from 48 overall offense the year prior with the same exact roster to number one when Joe Brady came. And is Joe Burrow having success with Cincinnati? Yeah. He's a great quarterback. He's a talented dude. He gets better over the years. You can't just say it's just Joe Brady who made him when he's already still having success. If he was shit in the bed with Cincinnati, sure, I'd give it to you. Right? I'd give it to you for sure. Then you can say his best year was with Joe Brady. It makes sense. 
but it's not the case. And now it is with Justin Jefferson. Now it's the case with Clyde Edwards. <clears throat> Excuse me, Eulier. 48 to 1 with the same roster? Like 48th ranked offense to 1 once the only change Brady. Those That same roster was a lot of guys who are sophomores and, and freshmen and juniors going up a year. And in that, that year, you develop a whole lot. And yes, Joe Brady changed the offense. He changed the offense completely. But it wasn't more so that he was doing great stuff. It was more so that their offense was that horrible in the past. They were running a very prehistoric, run-heavy offense where they weren't utilizing their weapons well. They weren't using Joe Burry, Joe Burrow to his strengths. And so, yeah, Joe, Joe Brady did – he switched things up for sure. But we haven't seen that translate to the NFL. And there are a lot better offensive minds out there who have already had NFL success, who are already proven. And so we already know what they are. Could Joe Brady become a great head coach one day? Sure, but he's just not there yet, and I'm not taking that risk right now. But you would take it on Staley? No, Staley's my number five. But if they hired him, would you like? Would you take a risk on him? Well, here's the difference: is that I actually like Staley's scheme. For for Brady, number one, he doesn't have the other stuff that we talk about that we want in a head coach. Head coaching qualities like a leader. Can he command a locker room? That stuff. Can he build staff? That stuff. He doesn't have that same stuff compared to Salah and EB. So for me to want to hire Joe Brady, his scheme, his calling card, his offensive mind, it needs to blow me away. And it's not a 10 out of 10. It's not a 0 out of 10. It's maybe a 4, but it needs to be a 10 to make up for all the other deficiencies. So the talent doesn't play a part at all. What do you mean the talent? Well, like, so when you look at the offense and just Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback in general, if you go look at his stats in Minnesota, he was a top 20 quarterback that played on a great defense with talent all around him. Um, so he's a limited quarterback for sure. And everybody would tell you that Teddy is a limited quarterback. I, I think that's fair. I'm not dis- dissing Teddy in any way. I, I think he's limited. I think that's a fair assessment. So when you look at the offense and you look at the production and you look at, you know, ninth and DVOA, but then when you bring in the fact that he has to tailor that offense around what his quarterback can do, Teddy has never been able to explode on offense. That's not who Teddy is. Um, is he not held to that same standard, Joe Brady, as what the offense should be? Because you're saying you want a 10 out of 10, but it, how can you have a 10 out of 10 like the when you don't have Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a top 10 offensive line? Because like you said, Carolina's offensive line is atrocious. Yep. And Mike Davis is having a career year in the absence of Christian McCaffrey on an offense where Christian McCaffrey has been the only offense for the last four seasons. So there's a whole change in the offense when Joe Brady took over. So I guess what I I'm would actually is talent not you, part in that as well, or do you does the coach have to do it all? Like Mike Davis would be a perfect example. He was a journeyman running back. There, How many teams have he been with in the past three years? Like four. Their run, their run game is efficient because defenses are playing the pass because they're just sitting back, they're giving them light boxes, and that's what has to do with their... But their why, though? Why are they doing that? Because Teddy's not going to scare anybody with his arm. Right, so then you got to find... Here's my thing, is I'm not expecting the offense to put up 40 points a game, but I'm expecting the, the schematic things to... I'm expecting to see better schematic things to put you in a good advantage. I'm not expecting you to put up big numbers, but I want to see the X's and O's. I want to see the adjustments throughout later in the game and later in the season. I'm not seeing adjustments. I'm seeing him call the same plays over and over again. I'm seeing no creativity on third down. This man calls four curls to the six on third down so damn often. They have an atrocious red zone offense where they can't finish because there's no creative play calling to create advantages. They also are, what is it, eighth in the league in penalties. So much of that comes on offense. They play the third fewest snaps. 
they're just undisciplined on offense. Yeah, that's part of a rookie head coach, but it's also got to be on Brady if you're not coaching them that well. They make some a lot of mistakes, and to me, a lot of that has to be on coaching because, like you said, they're good players. Some of them are good. You you, you said it earlier. DJ Moore is good. Robbie Anderson is good, right? But I don't know. I think that they a lot of it elevated them. Do you know how many of those penalties are on the offensive line? I don't, but that's got to be a, about Joe Brady runs that offense, right? He's going to have to run an entire NFL team. If he can't just run the offense, how is he going to run it, the offense and the defense? Because he, scheme, he schemes and implements the offensive game plan. He doesn't coach the offensive line. Okay, so does that – okay, but he doesn't coach the rest of the team, right? Does that not scare you? No, that doesn't scare me because he doesn't coach the offensive line. He's an offensive coordinator. He's not delegating everything as a head coach. He's only coaching the offense. You want another young guy, another 31-year-old head coach to mm-hmm. run an entire team like Bill O'Brien has showed that he's not able to do, that he's not able to delegate. And when McVay he gets to the level without experience, it's rough. McVay did it. LaFleur did it. Vrabel yeah. did it after a terrible one season as a defensive coordinator. Kyle Shanahan did it at the age of 34. You say he's, McVay's the, the exception, not the rule, but if you look at the trends of the NFL, that would actually not be the case. That's actually the rule now. Two guys? Four. <clears throat> McVay, Shanahan. Vrabel, LaFleur. Vrabel, had, they're way different people, but they had a lot more experience. Joe Brady has four years of coaching experience. Vrabel only had four. three. Vrabel was a player before, a well-respected player. You heard the type of leadership qualities that people talk so highly about Vrabel. Vrabel's a different guy than Joe Brady. Have you heard one good review, one glowing review in an article or in an interview, a player talking about Joe Brady? I haven't looked. Okay, well, I haven't, and I have looked. James, I actually got a question for you because I'm going to kind of butt in because Jordan brought it up. So Joe Brady's offensive relies a lot on the – short, high-percent passages, and yak receivers. Yep. That's exactly what Bill O'Brien relied on. Yep. Now, does that work with Deshaun? Nope. We saw it. We saw it in 2019. They tried to run the dink and dunk offense whenever Fuller was out. You had DeAndre Hopkins trying to do that. It didn't work. We need explosive plays. And so, you know, you're going to say, I know you're, what you're going to say, he's going to adjust it, adjust his scheme to Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson's a hell of a quarterback. We haven't seen Joe Brady be able to adjust his scheme yet. He's been running the same quick pass offense. That's what they ran with the Saints. That's what they ran with LSU. That's what they're running with Carolina. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I am 100%. I, I have never said he's the perfect candidate. I've said because he's not going to be a candidate when you hire again, he's the reason why you, that's why you hire him now is you take the growing pains and go through all that. But just on a quick Google search from what do players say about Joe Brady, there's like 50 articles, Carolina Panthers players, LSU players, Saints players. Um, so they're all there. They all say the same thing. You can probably not, and I don't mean this in a diminishing way, but you could find that about any coach, no matter what. You just Google what do players think. They're going to automatic all of them. They're all going to have glowing reviews. That's just the way it is. We're in a Houston market. We're not in the Carolina market. We're not in the – and EB is the hot name, so you're going to see all that. All I'm saying is is that that shouldn't be what you're looking for. You should really probably shouldn't be worried about how many times the players come to bat for you because that really doesn't make that much of a difference in my opinion. Um, but um, either way, and I'm just so everybody understands, I just want to have a conversation because I want my points to be heard and I want to hear what Texans' thoughts has to say. I'm not saying that Texans' thoughts is wrong in any way. He's definitely brought up some major concerns with Joe Brady. And I totally understand that those are all same concerns that I've I've mentioned in the past. Uh, I just think that, like we saw with Kyle Shanahan, when he was skipped and teams missed out, they all regret it. And if Joe Brady ends up being that same guy, 
we're all going to look back and say, well, we had Eric Bieniemy, and well, we did nothing because he's Eric Bieniemy, and he's been in the league for 30 years and never had a chance to be a head coach. <clears throat> but that's it. So yeah, that was all. Uh, you just said elevation, so I was looking up stats because I was interested to see did DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and Mike Davis did they have career years? I honestly didn't know, and they're all having career years. Um, so that's why I went and looked that up. Cool. They can all all have statistical individual career years, but at the end of the day, is if, that elevation though? I guess it's depending on your your definition of elevation. I I want to see results. I want to see them finish. I want to see them actually put points up on the board. I don't care if DJ Moore has 3,000 yards, but if he has two touchdowns, if that offense is 21st, 22nd now in the league in points per game, how effective are those yards, or are they just garbage yards? I mean, elevation by just four players when you're talking about a team that has, you know, what is it, 12 players or 11 players on the, on the field at all times? I mean, so that's how many more people, the percentage of that is what? So you can't elevate them all, right? 12%. You can't elevate defense when you're on the offensive side. Can't do it. EB doesn't do it either. Defense is, is, is fine. Panthers' defense ain't the problem. It's, it's their offense. We saw it in the Packers game. The they, Packers held down, game. they held down Rodgers to 24 points. They're the best offense in the league. You're averaging over 30. Yeah. They held them down with no no work to do on on no – what's the word? No help from the offense. I guess what I'm saying is I don't see how Teddy gets zero blame for any of it. And, oh, and he's not blameless. He should get most of the blame when you watch the film. He's not very good. I don't think Joe Brady's putting him in a great position to succeed either. So what what would the scheme be for you for Teddy Bridgewater, Not if it's not dinks and dunks? Well, obviously that's going to be part of it, but you can't be that predictable. Teams are sitting on that all game long. He's very hard-headed in the way that he calls plays. I've seen him call the same concept over and over again, and teams adjusted later in the season, and he still didn't adjust. He didn't throw that counterpunch to that counterpunch. Have and you compared where, that offense to the LSU offense to see the differences? I have, and it looks a lot of the same. They'll take, they'll do their early shots on first down, sorry, early uh Quick passes on first and down. They love to attack the middle of the field. They want to get the hands, the ball into the hands of their playmakers and, and rely on Yak. And they had Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, a crazy roster um, to be able to put up those numbers. And they do a lot of the same things. What about run game-wise? Run game-wise, they do gap, similar, zone. Same, different. Around similar. The only thing I'll give you is Joe, is Joe Burrow. So many of his big plays will come off of him avoiding pressure, scrambling, like throwing these crazy Mahomes fadeaways 40 down yard, 40 yards down the field. Those were crazy. That's pure talent. Yeah. I don't know how much Joe Brady can scheme that up. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just know that he went from 48 to first. Um, but that's fine. Uh, either way, not here to convince you. Just wanted to see yeah. if, what your thoughts were when I brought up my, my points as well. Um, all right. What else we got? Is that it? That's it. We've been done. <laughs> Why doesn't James share a couple of his favorite memories of the show? Really? Yeah, four um, years in, man. What are you going to miss? Favorite memory. Come back. Don't act like he's gone. Um, I mean, I think, like, the first time we had Jordan on, I thought was, like, it was, like, one of those things where we – because we've never really had, like, a third, right? Like, it's always been us. Like, sure, we've had, like, some people trickle in here and there, but there was a time where we were having Jordan on so much, and now he's, like, a part of the show. Like, I think that's cool, just seeing, like, the evolution of the show and, like, this. Like, we can have a conversation. Like, for yeah. those that think that Jordan is pissed or I'm pissed, that's not the case. Like, Jordan and I have had these conversations about – we had the same conversation about Gary and Conley before you actually started to watch Gary and Conley. Remember, you told me 
Carrion is nothing special. Yep. Right? This is how we we get better. This is how we get better. So um, I think that that, that's a great moment. I mean, obviously, just interviewing players is great. Um, Trying to think. I mean, we peaked at one point on the uh, football podcast in America, in America, uh, at 88. And there are 2,200 football podcasts in this country. And as a one small, not small market, but small football market, we ranked 88 in one week. To me, that's going to forever be fucking nuts because, uh, we, I mean, we were ahead of the Adam Schefter podcast, the Ian Rappaport podcast. Like, that's nuts. So that'll be cool. Um, I don't know. Just like the, the community that we've built, I think that's a big part of it. Like, um, you know, we have, like, we have, we have diehards. Like, you know, I only have, like, I think 1,200, 1,300 followers, right? Jordan's got like 4,000 now, but like, I have 1,200 people that like cut for me. That's the way I look at it. Like I have 1200 people who back me. I have 1200 people who support me. I have 1200 people who are, are here to hear my thoughts. That's I never thought when we started this in my garage that I would have 1300 people that wanted to know my opinions on things. So like getting tagged in tweets about like candidates or plays or like that'll forever be surreal to me because I was just a dude. So, like, to know that people want to know my thoughts, like, the dude that keeps tagging us, that he always tags us three. What's his, he, he just did it recently. I, I love it. Um, what's his name? I'm trying to find it. Trying to find it. You guys know what I'm talking about? He just did it recently. Michael George? Yes, Michael George. He always tags us. Always. Like, that's the type of shit I'm forever going to remember. Like, that's just so dope that, um, yes, we did. We, except for part of my take, we did not beat part of my take. Part of my take, I think, is like the number five sports podcast. But uh, a lot of the other barstool ones we did. We beat uh, the chicks one at one point. Now they just they show their titties so people listen. But um, yeah, no, lots of lots of cool things. I mean, uh, the website, like um, Jordan, like uh, coat, like everything. That's uh, weird. We have a Slack where we talk. It's neat, man. Never thought that that would be something that we built at some point. That's fucking crazy, you know. Jordan getting retweeted by like all these players when he writes an article, right? <clears throat> That's nuts. That's unreal. unreal. David Mugaletta tweeting, quote tweeting Jordan's article on Titus Howard. Nuts, nuts stuff. So while we disagree, we have our own different opinions. At the end of the day, we're all here for the same reason we all have the respect for each other it may seem like we're fiery and we are because we're passionate but that's all it is don't mix that up with anything else so i wouldn't have it any other way um it, it's been a fun ride for sure as far as bill o'brien and, and the clipboard didn't make it <laughs> hey don't even don't even uh don't even hint at that for the practices yeah, I did. I did in that interview. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that was like my first real interview. I had no idea what to do. Like, I had no idea what to expect. I, and then, like, I was just a fan at that point, like, and still, I guess, am. But like, I, I didn't take the media route because I felt like everybody takes the media route with him. I didn't want to be media, like asking the same questions that everybody asked, dude. Wanted to separate ourselves, but yeah, that's it. I don't know. What about you, John? Anything? Um, I'll never forget the Des Bryant interview. 
when people were leader uh, or not interview um argument sorry I was the like, Brian interview oh the argument when people were tweeting me the next day like are you and James going to continue talking to each other oh because you said Des Bryant was better than DeAndre Hopkins I did not say he was better than DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> I said that he was re- worth a flyer to sign when he was uh, released as a free agent oh um yeah. that I- minimum. And you just didn't want him anywhere near the club or the facility. You're like, yeah. I don't care if he's playing. <laughs> uh, but just the reaction that people were actually concerned about us. Like, are you and James still friends? Like, I will never forget that. <laughs> Somebody sent me that message. I'm like, why wouldn't we be? What about the what about the DeAndre Julio conversation? Oh man. I said I'd take Julio. You did, you, didn't you? You said you would take DeAndre. And just I still would take DeAndre, and my heart still breaks just thinking about it. I would still take Julio. I want a red zone guy. I think you can find. I think you can find. You can you can replicate the production from Hop in other ways, but I want. I we have never had a red zone tight or a red zone wide receiver. Hop's that red zone guy? What? Huh? Ain't that red zone guy? No, he's not. He's not in that off. But he should be. He's no. I'm not saying. What? Uh, and I think I think we're. Like a big moss guy, like just Andre Johnson, who never scored enough touchdowns, and DeAndre Hopkins boxes out and just like Hop was like spectacular catch, foot finish, like extending out on the sideline. That all great. I'm not dismissing that. I've always just wanted that like six six two twenty five goes up like basically fells, but at wide receiver just goes up and can just come down with the ball. I've always wanted that because uh, Andre Johnson should have been that, and he wasn't. Yeah, he should have been. But, I mean, here's the thing about Julio. and He doesn't score enough touchdowns as is. Like, I mean, he has the same problem that Andre Johnson does. Like, he may actually, if anything keeps Julio Jones out of the Hall of Fame, it'll be the same thing. He doesn't score touchdowns. Yeah. Like, yeah. What about you, Jordan? In, uh, anything? Julio or DeAndre? No, no, just like anything on the pod or, oh. <laughs> or any of the articles or. Um, I think my favorite moment on the pod was the first time you guys had me on, where I wasn't part of to you, but it was just kind of a, you know, let's, let's try this out. You know, let's just have him on the pod and talk. And we talk, and me and James talked about the draft for, it was insane. Like we just oh. we went on and on and on, and I kept on ranting, and he was probably trying to get me off the air, but he didn't want to say nothing because he's being nice. But it was just, it was my first real time like feeling that comfortable talking on an internet on the internet with like a stranger like that that I just met and just like I could just rant and tell you all my thoughts all my feelings about all these guys and I was so excited about it and I was just so passionate and I just never really that was like the beginning of it all for me really and it just like opened the floodgates to, to everything that's become and so it's got to be the beginning man because that's it's just amazing dude put that you, you wouldn't even turn your camera on yeah you that's when like I just a, had a picture of Jacob Martin pushing you to do YouTube when it was just a thought in the back of your mind to do YouTube yeah. and saying, no, you got, you have too much knowledge. Go do YouTube. I promise you it'll blow up. Just go do it. And, and the other conversations is part of it, uh, of the camera. And I was like, dude, nobody cares that you're Asian. Nobody, not one person cares that you're Asian. As long as you give them good content, they will never, ever care. And look at you. You fucking are blowing up on YouTube because you're so entertaining and your knowledge is right there. You have bad head coaching candidate takes, but outside of that, you are 
<laughs> amazing at what you do and great to call you a friend forever because uh, that's just who we, I mean, you're the guy that offered me your couch at your dorm room in Vancouver if I came up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. No, these are definitely, this is definitely a, a crazy, unreal time of my life. Like, never, if you told me that last year, if you told me that five years ago, if, you, if that was the first thing you told me out the womb, I would have, I wouldn't have believed you. I would shut you down. Right. So just everything that happened is just an, a crazy accumulation. And, and, you know, I think we, we're a great group of guys. We all work real hard. We're all passionate what we do. And, and that's what happens when, when you put in the work in something you love. You know, we're going to do great things and we already have. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's just much more, much more. So, all right. Hey, with that being said, forgot, uh, make sure you guys go to manscaped.com. Use promo code Texans. Uh, John's trying to get paid for these promos for Manscaped. <laughs> so I need you guys to uh, go use Texans. And then I also want to get John a little bit more money. So if you guys can go use it more, that'd be awesome. Not that John needs the money, but just because I want John to make some money on the podcast. Well, so I'm, a nice trophy. I'm a nice trophy husband, by the way. You are. I, you are. I, I really am. <laughs> so, so lucky. Granted, I've never seen a dime from the podcast, so it would be nice. But, you know, I, I'm taken care of. It's because I steal it all. <clears throat> um, all right. All right, guys. Well, signing off, uh, maybe for the last time, hopefully not for the last time, uh, for Texans Unfiltered, I'm James uh, signing off, and we'll catch you guys. They'll catch you guys next week.